When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Brewcast. It is January 11th, Tuesday. I am Justin Rowe, joined here by Scotty White. We're filling in, or I'm filling in for Luke Giardi. Uh, But yeah, we're here in the, uh, in the beginning of January recording, uh, in the middle, right after the national championship game, in the middle of basketball now, in the middle of a little off uh, time for COVID. But uh, Scotty, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a bummer with uh, you know the football season ending, and then right after that, we had some some big games coming up for the basketball team and having those canceled. Uh, but fingers crossed that we can get the game in on Friday against Illinois. Um, we'll be sure to discuss that a little bit today. Um, but yeah, overall doing pretty well, excited to do the show today. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know, we'll get right into it. Um, because we, it's, it's fresh on my mind right now, the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama last night, that was all right. I want to get your take first because Twitter was going crazy in the beginning of the game about how no touchdowns means it's a bad game. And everyone's like, this is boring. But I personally thought just because, yes, they weren't scoring and field goals are field goals, I get it. But it was like super competitive in the first half of that game. And I was still enjoying watching it. Were you in that boat or are you like touchdowns or get out of here? No, I'm in the same boat as you. And, you know, that's probably just because, you know, we've grown up as fans of of Big Ten football. You know, we watch Michigan, (laughs) we see these games. Um, Yeah, I was confused about that, too. I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, a high scoring shootout is fun, too. But I mean, you got to appreciate the low scoring battles as well. All, all I really care about is seeing a competitive game that comes down to the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I thought 
I, I did see some uh, some funny tweets about it that were like, you know, if you come up to Indianapolis in the middle of Big Ten country, then you have to have punts exactly. and, yep. <laughs> and defensive stops. So that was pretty funny. Um, but I, I mean, it was just so competitive and back and forth. And it felt like it wasn't like it was bad offense at all. It was no. just both defenses were incredible. Yep. And it's just funny to me, even though. You know, even the SEC now is like a high-powered offense type of league, uh, and the Big Ten's getting to that too. I mean, Michigan uh, was had probably the best offensive team they've ever had in the past, I don't yeah. know, 15 years or so. Um, obviously, Ohio State was really, really good too. But it's crazy how you get to these final games and defense is still – you know, at the forefront. And, and those are the teams that do, it, it always comes back down to it. You know, offense yeah. wins games, but defense does win championships. How long can that exactly. slogan stay alive? You know? Yeah, exactly. And Georgia's defense is, I mean, that's gotta be for, for me, one of the, definitely one of the best defenses I've ever seen, probably the best defense I've ever seen. I mean, um, Luke and I were touching on it last weekend after um, the Michigan Georgia game. I mean, the athletes on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, it was it was the play that we realized that Michigan was in big trouble when Michigan threw the screen to uh, to Blake Corum. I think it was Nicobe Dean that just hawked him down, and we were like, okay, we're we're in a little bit of trouble here. Yeah, and I actually I haven't gone back and watched the game because it was a little bit too painful. But I've seen a lot of clips here and there. Yeah, uh, and that clip came up on uh, on my Twitter. Uh, I think it was yesterday, and he actually so Blake Corum uh, motions from the left side of the offense to the right yeah. side of the offense, which makes the uh, Nicobe Dean go from the left side of the defense, or sorry, well, it's the right side of the defense to the left side of the defense and still get him behind the line of scrimmage, which was one of the most, it was one of the craziest plays I've seen. And so I saw that and I was like, holy smokes, Michigan just is not on the same level mm -hmm. as this Georgia defense. And I thought, okay, maybe they're not to the top of the country yet. They're to the top of the big 10, but maybe that just doesn't mean it. But then I watched Georgia last night against Alabama and Georgia was flying to the ball the same way against Alabama's oh. offense. And it just, I, I totally agree with you that Georgia defense is, in my opinion, and if you look at it from a statistics uh, and analysis too, they're one of the top five defenses in the history of yeah. college football. Yep. So I think it makes me feel a little bit better from a Michigan fandom standpoint that, all right, we are, you know, nobody was going to put up a bunch of points on that on that Georgia defense. It right. wasn't just a Michigan thing. No, I mean, when Alabama, I mean, they've got the Heisman winning quarterback. Obviously, they had some injuries at the wide receiver position last night that hurt them. But, I mean, you've got the, they've got the Heisman-winning quarterback, and they put up 18 against them. I mean, that Georgia defense is just different. And, yeah, honestly, that game really did make me feel a lot better about the Orange Bowl because I think – and this definitely happened with me. After seeing Georgia in the SEC championship against Alabama, I was thinking, okay, they really haven't played that great of a team this year yep. until Alabama – and now they got exposed. They lost by three possessions. I didn't think that they were as good as advertised. And I think that that Alabama game was just a wake-up call, and they got obviously right back to their dominant um, play that they have been doing all year. Um, and it's it's extremely clear that Georgia's the best team in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, too, 
it was a little bit unfortunate for Michigan to be that next game after the SEC yeah. championship. Uh, Georgia was definitely on a mission, uh, yeah. and they and they came out and they were not going to let Michigan get in the way of them having a rematch and a chance to beat Alabama here in the national title game. So I, I think things could be different. Do you think? Now there was a lot of speculation with this too. Do you think that? Michigan would have matched up better with Alabama than they would have uh, Georgia. Let's say, you know, Bama was the, the ended up as the two or the three seed instead of Georgia. I do. I think that, I think that Michigan would have given Alabama a better fight. Um, I, I don't think that Michigan would have won. They're just, there's just such a bit, I mean, the score of the game last night doesn't quite indicate, you know, how neck and neck it was the whole game. Um so I think Alabama and Georgia, you know, it's Alabama, Georgia, then there's a gap and there's everyone else. Um, but I do think that Michigan would have, would have put up an, a better fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think a lot about what would have happened if Georgia had been able to do that in the SEC championship game and what the playoff would have looked like if we had that, maybe Michigan playing against Cincinnati in the first yeah. round and how that could have changed things. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, do I, I definitely agree with you. Does that mean that Michigan wins the national title? Probably not, but there's yeah. a very good chance then that they're playing for a national title. Right. And, you know, I think that, yes, it's great to get into the college football playoff, but there's been so many big 10 teams that have, uh, you know, you think about Michigan state and Ohio state now that have gotten into the playoff and then immediately gotten stomped in right. and Michigan unfortunately became one of those teams again. So I think if they were to make that next step to get to the national championship game, if the scheduling was different, then that does put them on Ohio state's level a little bit more than it really does what happened. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you there. I think that it, it just watching, watching what Georgia uh, watching what their defensive line did to Bama's offensive line and that offensive line, Although it's not one of their better ones over the past decade or so, it's still a bunch of four and five star guys that are as elite NFL talent. And Georgia was bullying them. Yeah. It was that front seven. Um, we tweeted it out from our Blue by 90 account uh, today. Uh, it was uh, so versus Michigan, Georgia had 30 QB pressures. Versus oh, Alabama this, yeah. last night, they had 39 QB pressures. So yeah. Bryce Young was on his back all day long. And so at first, you know, going back to kind of how we felt about Georgia versus Michigan originally, I was like, man, Michigan's offensive line was great in the Big Ten, but they just cannot handle these SEC boys. And I felt better about Michigan's offensive line after watching the game last night because Alabama's offensive line couldn't handle that front seven either that that front seven's just just so different exactly it wasn't a problem with Michigan at all and different is exactly right I mean they're the athletes on that side on every position for Georgia I mean they're just yeah. loaded up with I think I saw one stat of like Georgia's um of Georgia's defense and it's just all five stars and four stars and then there's one three star who's like six six like 300 <laughs> And I'm like, I mean, come on. Like, that's just not fair. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is not fair. It's just, I mean, the recruiting is different. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you want to believe that they're doing it legally or illegally, who knows, you know, but um, it definitely is different. I, I mean, Alabama, obviously they they throw the ball much more now than they used to, you know, when they had right. guys like 
Mark Ingram and some of those other guys. But yeah. Alabama was held to 30 rushing yards on 28 carries last night. Yeah, that is absurd. That is in one of the most insane stats I've ever heard for a national championship team when you especially when it's Alabama. Yeah. And Michigan was was getting crap for rushing for I think it was 84 yards uh, against Georgia. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not like Alabama's a bad running like rushing team. I mean, Alabama every single year is good in every aspect of the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, last night it, it just showed how good Georgia is and that it's wasn't anything bad on Michigan's part in the Orange Bowl. They were just playing an insanely good team. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, I'm sure you and Luke talked about it. We talked about it on the Blue by 90 podcast as well. For Michigan, it was just a bad matchup with Georgia too because it was strength on strength, right? It was Michigan's run game is their strength while Georgia's run defense is their strength and they're better at it than Michigan is at, at running the ball, yeah. you know? So that's just what it is. And so, I mean, lastly on this uh, on this national championship game too, you know, what do you think – all right, yes, recruiting is going to be there. Do you think there's anything else that Michigan needs to do or can do to get – Take that, you know, they've gotten over the hump of Ohio State. I, obviously, they need to continue to do that, which is not going to be an easy task. But to, to get over the next hump, which is being on Georgia and Alabama's uh, a level, is there anything they can do? Or is it just like Georgia and Bama are up there and I don't know if anybody's going to ever touch them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to imagine it not being, you know, Alabama at the top and then the Georgias and the Clemsons and the Ohio States, just because, I, I mean, for me, pretty much as a college football fan, that's all I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, this year was huge for Michigan. Any Michigan fan that is hanging their heads or thinks that the program isn't headed in a very positive direction after this year, I don't understand that. Finally beat Ohio State, beat the Big Ten, or won the Big Ten, made the playoff, 12-win season, Michigan is headed in the right direction. Um, and I think that the, the NIL is really just going to be huge. Cause I mean, the recruiting is just insane. I mean, like we're, like I was saying earlier with Georgia, just having all five stars and four stars, pretty much yeah. it's, it's insane. And Michigan's got to take advantage of that. I mean, the brand that the university of Michigan has and like the alumni base, I mean, there's just so much potential there for NIL and Michigan needs to take full advantage of that. And that's the biggest difference that'll help them with recruiting. I definitely agree. When you have a guy like Stephen Ross, who, you know, we've, we've seen him outwardly speak about Jim Harbaugh and wanting him back uh, at Michigan. We'll talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh here in a little bit. Um, But when you've got alumni like him, you know, those, those, that's the, that's the type of stuff that Michigan can utilize to really put them over the edge. And, and I think, you know, that is what Jim Harbaugh seems to be lobbying for uh, is some different NIL stuff. And I think, uh, to be honest, Michigan's been behind in a lot of it, which is very frustrating, I know, for a lot of Michigan fans out there because it seems so obvious to be able to utilize it. I will say this. I think behind the scenes, they do a lot more than people realize. But I also don't know why you can't make it all public so that every recruit and everybody knows about it. And then, you know, you can be known as this big NIL you know, team or program. Right. Yeah, I mean, the the NIL opportunities for Michigan are limitless. And when it comes to the recruiting for Alabama and Georgia, I mean, think about it. Like, kids, most of them don't want to come somewhere where it gets negative 10 degrees in the winter. 
And <laughs> the fact that it's very warm down there certainly gives them an advantage. And the fact that they already have built these dynasties gives them a big advantage. Um, but yeah, I do think that that's where the turning point has to come. For sure, for sure. So we'll we'll see what what Michigan has to offer here in the future, and I think it'll it'll be really really interesting to watch this off season in this next re- recruiting cycle if Michigan can capitalize on the high that they're on right now and ride this wave to land some big time recruits and see what what are, uh, where that can take them. Yeah. Um, but you know, before we we talk about the recruits and the next guys coming in, we can talk about who's coming back as well. Yeah. So. There are some guys that uh, definitely em- enter the transfer portal. Uh, so Andre Selden, corner, entered the transfer portal. Um, our guy on Blue by 90s, we had him in an NIL deal and had him on our podcast a lot. Dan Villari entered the transfer portal. Yeah. He was uh, the, one of the backup quarterbacks. Um, but honestly, for Michigan, before we talk about who's coming back, the guys that are leaving, I, I think that the – the only guy that everyone was concerned about, or I guess there's two guys that, that are leaving, um, not in the transfer portal, but to the NFL draft that, um, that you should be concerned about. And those are Chris Hinton and Vincent Gray. Um, I think everyone was surprised at those two. Yeah, definitely. And I think that people do not give Vincent Gray the credit that he deserves for the bounce back season he had this year. I mean, 2020, I, I'm not going to lie, it was rough for the entire secondary um, and, and definitely including him. And he, he, you can see how hard he worked in the offseason. He had a much better year. And, yeah, Michigan, Michigan secondary will feel that absence. Um, luckily, they do have some good recruits coming in for that area. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was a little bit surprised by that. But I, I think that um, Vincent Gray showed this year that he is very capable um, and I thought I, I really thought he had a really good year. Yeah, and I think sometimes when guys have that type of bounce back here, you kind of have to take advantage of it, right? Yeah. Whether whether you really are ready for the NFL, you know, sometimes you see where your draft stock is at and you say, all right, this might be the height of it. Right. You know, whether I come back or, you know, I could come back next year. And Michigan's defense is obviously losing a lot. There's a chance that Michigan's defense isn't nearly as good as it is. Uh, nearly, I possibly have my draft stock hurt if our defense isn't nearly as good. Yada yada yada, and that's why he's going. I definitely think it's it's not a bad decision for him by any means. Oh no, right? um, oh, I totally agree. And then for Chris Hinton, I am very surprised at that. That's one I do think that he could have really used another year. Yeah. Um, I think he had a, a somewhat breakout year. Um, he really made a big leap, but in terms of strength and size and just film, I think he really could have used a, another year. I was actually I was talking to an NFL agent and he told me absolutely he he needed enough draft boards i think that he's going to be a late rounder if if even drafted at this point um so a lot of people were surprised at that one yeah i was surprised that too i agree i think he could have benefited from it um obviously wish him the best of luck in the draft but i thought that next year was going to be a great opportunity for him to get a ton of playing time and showcase how good he is i thought that next year i thought i thought that if he came back you know he could be first second round pick next year I mean he's got that kind of potential um, but yeah I think that I think that another year 
definitely would have benefited him, but um, I guess, I guess we'll see where he goes. Yeah. And I, I think too, he's another situation though, where you lose David Ajabo, you lose Aiden Hutchinson, you know, maybe without those guys on the edge, you're going to get more attention in the middle. And he's like, all right, you know, I'm, I don't want the opportunity to get exposed. You know, I'm yeah. sure he believes in himself and he's not thinking exactly that way, but there's a chance that mine is not near good this year. And so there, there's a chance for him to, you know, get exposed some for lack of a better word on the inside too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that will be an area of concern this year, losing Hutch and Ojabo. I mean, those are two first round guys that we're going to see go. Um, I think it, one thing that really made me excited was um, the Under Armour All-American game with a Michigan commit edge rusher winning uh, the MVP of that game. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, honestly, like it's there's still so much to figure out between the offseason. I mean, with players coming and going, Harbaugh, the situation obviously hasn't been cleared up yet. So we'll, who knows what's going on with that. Um, but I mean, there's no question that Michigan is heading in a positive direction and I'm really excited for the offense and we heard today that Luke Schoonmaker is coming back yeah and and so let's talk about that so we've got Luke Schoonmaker coming back that is going to mean that Michigan has Schoonmaker back they have Eric all back they it's going to be one of the best tight end rooms in the entire country oh yeah and the wide receiver room too I mean with uh, they've got Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell is going to be back. Um, there's AJ Henning. Um, I know I'm missing some, but I mean, the, the wide, the wide receiver room is going to be extremely talented. No matter who the quarterback starting quarterback will be, they're going to have tons, tons of options to throw to. Absolutely. I think that if what people don't realize too, is how much that helps with the run game as well. Yeah. yeah. This, this defense or sorry, not defense, um, this offense it, it goes with the, these tight ends blocking, whether it be them lining up or go, moving to the outside um, when Michigan's running a sweep or reverse or something like that. Michigan utilizes its tight ends and almost has two tight ends in on every single play. They aren't always too tight, but there might be one tight end on the line, one split out. They utilize them in a lot of different ways. So I think – it, it is really, really big for Luke Schoonmaker to come back and Eric Hall to come back, not just as receiving uh, threats, but uh, in the run game for Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards as well. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And then the other guy that's coming back, uh, he, I joked about it on Twitter. He's going to be 47 years old, I think, <laughs> by the time he yep. – uh, by the time he leaves, but Brad Robbins, uh, sixth year punter now coming back. Uh, he, we're actually going to have him on our blue by 90 podcast tomorrow as a guest too, to talk about his return. Oh, well, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to make sure to give that a listen. Uh, yeah, Brad Robbins, he, he was, uh, he was a favorite in the, in the press conferences this year for the football team too. <laughs> he's awesome to talk to. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I mean, yeah, he's obviously, he's a great punter. Um, so that'll help. Um, but yeah, the, the run game, like you were saying, having those weapons and the utilization that Michigan uses the tight ends for the run game. And also just with the talent that they have on the, at the tight end position, the receiver position, there's just so much potential to have a really good passing attack. And that also, I mean, when teams have to give that full respect to the passing attack, that also is going to help with the run game. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you're returning a bunch of, of veterans now 
that have felt what it's like to be in a shit position like they were in 2020, you know, and now be at the top. Right. And I think what, what was going to be concerning was you, you've had these guys, this was my concern at least, you had these guys that finally got over the hump and now a bunch of guys that, you know, mainly Aiden Hutchinson who led the charge obviously all year, but they're leaving. And so you, you wonder, can these young guys continue that? And, and I think having some, uh, some consistency now with these older guys coming back for a fifth year or sixth year is really, really important to keep Michigan on this role as well. Yeah. I mean, the the talent of the of the team is obviously so crucial, but the leadership of of Hutchinson is going to be what's so difficult to replace. I mean, um, you know, when Marty Smith from ESPN did the interview with Harbaugh, um, and Harbaugh was talking about Hutch and how you know he goes to the strength coach. He's like, I want you to get everything out of me every single day. And other guys see that, like Ojabo, and they want to join in. They want that same kind of thing to happen. And I mean. They, they've got to have someone to come in and fill that role. Um, but, I mean, he was so good last year or this, this past season, and he was so good at being a leader, and everybody saw how he led, that I'm sure that that's just not, that's not going to be an issue. I think, that, I think that somebody will definitely step in and fill that role. Yeah, and, and whether, you know, I, I do think on the defense, it, it can be Junior Colson, it can be Nakai Hill Green, who already got some playing time at the linebacker positions. And now they're going to be probably leaders of this defense, even, even though they're still young. Um, but then on the offensive side, too, you know, obviously JJ McCarthy has shown his leadership already, even as oh, yeah. a freshman. Um, and they've led this group. I, I don't know if people know this, but. I was just in Michigan's locker room uh, right before the uh, the bowl game, before I headed down to Miami. Michigan has a freshman locker room. So they the freshmen are separated from everybody else in the, in the uh, in Schembechler Hall. And I think it's really important that J.J. has brought that freshman squad together with Do- Donovan Edwards, uh, with um, – with, why can't I think of his name now? Andrew Anthony? Andrew Anthony. Yes. Sorry. I was going to say Andre Selden, but uh, <laughs> Andrew Anthony, um, you know, those young guys are all in a room together and they're all saying, Hey, we're not satisfied with where we're at right now. We want to be the best class that's ever been. And so, um, you know, we did, we had junior Colson on the blue by 90 podcast uh, a few months ago, not a few months ago, probably a month ago as well before the uh, right after Michigan's game versus Ohio state. And he said the same thing. They all talk about how, they want to be the best class at Michigan. And you know what? They're off to a pretty damn good start. So I, I think that it's going to be, you know, really interesting to see the leadership from these young guys now uh, stepping up to be, you know, now that they've had one go around for sure too. Yeah. I, I remember uh, after the, after the Wisconsin game, the team got back and there was all the talk of JJ uh, McCarthy being the leader of the guys immediately going out to the practice field when they got back um, from Wisconsin. Um, Yeah. I mean, that class is extremely exciting. Those three players in specific with McCarthy, um, Anthony and Edwards. And I just, I can't wait to see the types of seasons that those three put up next year. Well, there's one person that would be pretty key to Michigan continuing on this wave. uh, And that's the head ball coach. And I, and there is a ton of speculation still uh, about whether Jim Harbaugh will be the Michigan head coach next year, or if he will be with the bears, the Raiders, whoever, you know, and fill in the blank there. Um, But 
I don't know about what you've heard or seen. I can go into what I've heard and seen in, in, a, in a little bit here. But for me, it's been all over the map. What, what have you been hearing, too? Yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, it, when I first saw you know stuff about it on Twitter, I'm thinking, all right, we see this every single year. The Harbaugh to the NFL rumors are starting. You know, We've been through this seven times now. Um, but, but obviously now it it does feel a little bit different, you know, seeing the report, uh, I think it was Sam Webb that first posted it, that Harbaugh said he was exploring or thinking, considering NFL options. Um, so yeah, but I honestly, at this point, I would say I'm 60% leaning towards, he comes back 40% that he leaves, but it's real. Like, I have no idea what's happening. Well, I, I, every time somebody asks me about it, I just kind of laughed because honestly, this is what, ha- so we're, we're recording this on Tuesday night. What happened this past weekend was on Saturday or sorry, Friday night, I got a call saying that, uh, saying that he was going to be at the hockey game. Uh, yeah. And so that was like, all right, he, if he's coming to the hockey game, then he's for sure staying. Why would he, why would he leave if he's uh if he's going to show his face around Ann Arbor, right? right? Well, then Saturday rolls around, uh, and everyone's all pumped about him at the hockey game. Things are going well. Sunday comes, I get a text saying he's leaving. Done deal, $12 million a year to the Raiders, right? So I'm like, okay, that's weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Then Monday comes along, I get a text on last night, and it says, yep, he's staying. The team has been told that he's staying, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, all right, how many times can this flip-flop in, in 48 hours, right? 72 hours. So I, I still don't know who to believe. Right. Um, I, I have no idea. I, I like to think every single person that has told me something is a pretty good source. Yeah. And so that's where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to say I know one way or the other because I'm getting information all over the map. And it sounds like everybody else is in that same same boat too. Even the top sources like John Bacon and Chris Ballas and Sam Webb. Yep. Yeah, that's why at, at this point, I'm just kind of trying to avoid the stuff on Twitter. And because, yeah, I mean, the, at, at first I'm seeing some people are saying, oh, you know, it's for sure that he's leaving. And then, yeah, it's for sure that he's staying. I'm like, all right, until the Michigan football Twitter account posts a video of Jim Harbaugh saying it himself, um, I I don't know what to believe. And I I will say this, the longer this goes on, the more nervous I get that he's not going to be at Michigan. I I think if Michigan, if they have a deal, then – I would think that Jim would want it, you know, if it's good enough, if not, then he's obviously, you know, if he's obviously not, if he's not taking that deal right now, or if he hasn't by now, then he's definitely listening to these, to these uh, NFL um, NFL uh, offers. And I do know with 100% certainty is what I've heard that he, he's not only listening, he actually reached out to the Raiders himself. So I, I think there's, there's definite interest in whether yeah. he, whether he's using it for leverage for whatever or not, there's, there are conversations being had. And I think for Jim Harbaugh might not be the coach next year. Yeah. I mean, it's though. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, concerning to hear when you hear that he's reaching out to other teams. Uh, and for me, like, I, I, I don't think that it's, the, I mean, obviously, 
for what from what happened this season, he deserves um, a raise and, mm-hmm. and an extension. Um, but I don't think that money is his big concern. I mean, he donated all of his um, ex- extra winnings. Um, so right. I don't think that's his main concern. I really think that he just wants the program. I think that the NIL is a big part of it. You know, he wants more leniency with that. So it makes recruiting easier. Um, and, you know, just administration that I think cares more about sports and football. I definitely think that those are talking points in these conversations. He wants to be able – I think he he went to the college football playoff, saw what Alabama and Georgia do and how it, how it, the benefits that they reap from NIL, from recruiting, from yeah. bought-in administrations. And he's like, why can't we do that here? Yeah. You know, and, and what I'm going to be concerned about is let's say hypothetically Jim Harbaugh does sign somewhere else. What that means for Michigan is that I don't believe that the athletic department and the program can ever get to the level of Georgia and Alabama because they the they don't have the buy-in that that those uh, SEC programs do. Yeah, you're you're totally right. I mean, down there at those schools, it's it's football, it's football above everything else, yeah. um, and that that hasn't been that hasn't been the case here at Michigan. And yeah, Harbaugh definitely wants to get closer in that direction. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if, if they can't come to terms, it's certainly, um, an indicator that Michigan probably will, will not be able to get to that level. Yeah. And, and people ask also, like, why would Jim Harbaugh want to leave? He's just getting going. He said he'd, you know, work for free or do this for free. All these things. First of all, people say anything. People, people say things and go back on it every single day, especially in the world of sports. You saw, I mean, Lincoln Riley said he wanted to be at Oklahoma forever and then signed a contract at USC like the next day. Yeah. You know, the, the, I, I think that I, Jim Harbaugh is a, an honorable man, but when somebody's offering you $12 million a year, right. you know, it's, it's money speaks differently, you know? So I, I think that everyone's like, why would he leave? Why would he leave? Well, a couple of reasons. A, the money, obviously. I think no matter how much people will say, oh, it's, he doesn't care about the money, when it gets to that number, it it, it definitely it, right. it's different. It's right? expensive. Yeah. And then the other part, too, is people, I, I they should understand this, but coaching in the NFL is a thousand times less stressful than yes. coaching – in yes. college football, especially in this day and age for, for a 58 year old Jim Harbaugh to now conform himself to the NIL world, to different worlds of recruiting. You're on a new, on a plane to somewhere new, literally every day throughout the summer. It, it's, it's insane. You're, you know, I, we had uh, Alan true on our podcast from two, uh, two, four, seven sports uh, last week. He said, guys for Georgia and Alabama, their coaches were FaceTiming recruits on the field before the games. Yeah, dude, it's so recruiting nonstop. It's it's a 24-7 job. You can't get away from it. The NFL is not like that, right? You it's still very stressful. It's you know, you have to be very good, obviously, all those things, but it's not about recruiting. You're dealing more with adults, you're dealing with GMs and those types of things. And right. the contract situations aren't your problem anymore as a coach. So 
it is definitely, it's much more appealing to a lot of people out there. And, and Jim Harbaugh knows that he's been in the NFL. He's now been at college, you know, like he knows what, what he likes more. Maybe he's thinking, all right, it's time to, to get out of this recruiting stuff and go back to the NFL. Yeah. 100%. I mean, dude, I honestly like the, the job coaching Michigan in the past seven years for Harbaugh, I would not blame him at all for wanting to leave. I mean, in the NFL, you win 10, 10 games and win seven, you're still going to the playoffs and everyone thinks you're a great coach. And then he's here at Michigan and there's a team that's had a pretty much dynasty for the last 20 years with maybe two bad seasons mixed in. And if he loses that game, then, oh, he's so overrated and Michigan is the worst. I mean, I wouldn't blame him at all for wanting to leave. Honestly, I mean, being the the head coach at Michigan is is not uh, an easy it's job easy. at all. You're gonna get a lot, and I mean, it's the same thing. If Michigan loses to Ohio State next year, those same exact things are yep. gonna come out again. I was just about to say that. I, I mean, people act like it's like Michigan's over this hump. It, Ohio State's not going away. Exactly. You know, there, there's no doubt, right? So if Michigan does, let's say Michigan goes even 10 and ten and 2 next year with a loss to Ohio State, people are going to be calling for his job again. Yep. You know, it's it's very difficult. And I know for a fact that his uh, his family is a, is kind of over all that, uh, yeah. specifically his wife. You know, they're like, hey, why, why should we go through this year after year um, when they're not appreciating all the hard work and all the things that you're doing here? So – it's definitely something that's difficult, um, but I mean, we'll see what what happens. I if if something doesn't get done this week, I, I'm going to be very very concerned for yeah. for Michigan fans. That's for sure. Yeah, I was going to say if if things aren't if I don't hear anything by this weekend, that's when I'm really going to hit the panic button. But as of now, I like I said, I'm pretty much on the fence with what's going to happen. Yep, I'm there too. I'm there too. So. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's transition here to some basketball. Yep. Uh, it's weird because usually by mid uh, January uh, in the past, I've been fully into basketball. Right. Yeah. I, Michigan yeah. has been hasn't played in a meaningful game in football for over a month, usually. Um, and and we've been fully into basketball. Obviously, the basketball teams have been a lot better as well. Um, but right now it just feels like with all the things that happened in football and now COVID outbreaks, I just, I I'm having trouble getting into the, the basketball season. And, um, but now we're, we're hearing that Michigan could play uh, Illinois on Friday. So we're going to have to look forward to that. Um, but what'd you take of all uh, these, these COVID outbreaks and the cancellations versus Michigan state and Purdue? Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. No other way to put it. Um, like, yeah, yeah, like you said, I mean, normally at this point, I am all in um, on Michigan basketball. And the like the night, I mean, obviously the Michigan State game got canceled very late Friday night around like midnight. Um, but typically for the week leading up to that, that game against Michigan State, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it all the time. I'm already getting nervous. I'm watching highlights from the 2018 big 10 championship game every night <laughs> and I wasn't doing any of those things this week and it, it no. felt weird um and yeah it's the, the COVID outbreaks just suck I mean it's it's so tough to to have these long breaks I mean obviously the the one last year um that was miserable Michigan's in the 
midst of one of their best seasons and had to take two weeks off. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that Michigan gets a chance to play Illinois this week. Um, I would just hate to see Illinois fans on Twitter. If Michigan has to postpone that, that would be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing that sucks is these, these were going to be hard games to win, but these are games that Michigan needed to play because they need those wins. I mean, Michigan's not a projected tournament team right now. Um, and when you're not a projected tournament team and these games against good teams get canceled and you don't get a chance to compete, it's essentially the same thing as a loss. You're not moving up anywhere. Yeah, you're right. I think that people uh, forgot about that a little bit, including myself. I, I'm like, all right, this is maybe this is a good thing for Michigan basketball, right? They, they aren't going to get stopped by MSU and Purdue. But then at the same time, it's like they have to go like, 14 and five over the next uh over the next 20 games right uh, 19 games and if if they want to make the tournament and they're going to need some resume builders exactly. these are you know whether Michigan's going to win these or not these are chances at resume builders and chances to get things going again and it just feels like you know Michigan has not gotten it going all season long but in order for them to to play well they've got to first and foremost just play Uh, So I'm I'm just concerned about them. They haven't played as a full team now in what, two weeks? Yeah. Um, You know, they played against uh, Rutgers um, on Tuesday, January 4th. So that's a week ago, um, but that was not a full team. So the last time they played as a full team was on the 30th against UCF. So I, you know, I'm just concerned about this team. I, I, I think it's okay to have a down year. But you don't want to see Juwan Howard in year three, year three, correct? Yes, year three. Okay. In year three to go, you know, 10 and 15 with a team or something like that. Right. Especially with the talent that's on this team. I mean, that's, that's what's been frustrating is the talent is there. I mean, this is the number one recruiting class and, or number two, I think it ended up being, um, and coming off of an elite eight, um, and I think that Michigan, I mean, there still is the time to put it all together and turn that corner. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, these games, Michigan State and Purdue, I think people are forgetting how hard it is to go on the road uh, yeah. with a full crowd, maze out crowd against what would be the Michigan State game. It's hard for teams to go into environments yeah. like that and get wins. I mean, that was going to be a huge uh, opportunity for Michigan. Who knows if these games are even going to get rescheduled too. I mean, last year, they were able to reschedule some because they laid the schedule out in a way that um, was lenient with, with uh, games getting canceled. But now Michigan's got two, two games scheduled every week. Um, So who knows? And also with COVID, I mean, who knows if they get a, if they get the game rescheduled, there might not even be fans. Um, So, and that obviously really hurts the home field advantage. So. Yeah, and, and they definitely have not built in anything for reschedules. They're going to try and get them in, is what I've been told, but there's definitely no guarantee for that. Um, now, when we're looking at what Michigan needs to do to get back on track, we keep talking about, all right, they've got to get back on track. I don't, it's been difficult to tell because. You know, for me at first, it was like, we got to get Hunter Dickinson the ball. We've got to get him, you know, he runs the offense. But then I've watched Hunter Dickinson play really lackadaisical and, and he just hasn't had that, that, you know, uh, that motive. He hasn't had that it factor this year that he had last year. So is there anybody on this team right now that you're looking at to really get Michigan going? 
Yeah, I think I think that it's got to be Eli Brooks because, um, like like you said about Dickinson, I think that sometimes you know when things aren't going that well for Michigan, he can get down easily. It can affect his attitude, which can affect his play. Um, and also last year, I mean, he just had he had a lot more help. Michigan had guys like Sean D. Brown coming off the bench, just knocking down corner threes left and right. Um, and I think that, that that's a big difference from last year's team is the three-point shooting. And that's that's why I think that Eli Brooks has got to be a um, big difference maker. I mean, he's a senior leader, um, and he is one of the guys that we have seen be a really good three-point shooter. Um, and I think Michigan's going to need a lot of that throughout the rest of the season if they're going to win some of these big games. I definitely agree. I, I think what Eli Brooks' problem this year has been is he's had to do it all. Mm-hmm. He, uh, uh, you know, Devontae Jones wasn't, uh, wasn't really reliable early in the year. He's definitely picked it up in the past few games. Um, but Eli was having to run the point, be the shooting guard, you know, be the t- uh, senior leader, help these guys out. He was having to do so much, and he just can't do it all. And so I, I think, you know, the one guy I, I think you're spot on, the, the types of guys that this team is missing are the Sean D. Browns. Yeah. They come off the bench with energy, play great defense, hit those uh, those threes, make, you know, make an impact on the game. They just don't have those guys coming off the bench right now. Uh, and, and then, you know, there's obviously been a lot of underperformance by the starters, too. You know, you look at Caleb Houston, he was supposed to be a one and done right now. He's looking like he's going to be a four year guy if he's even going to stick in the in the starting lineup for the rest of the year. You know, so I I think that um, we also you forget that Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers on the defensive side of the ball could literally guard almost two through five. You know, and so now with with those guys gone, you just don't have those types of guys. Brandon Johns can't guard a two or three guard, you know, and, yeah. and Caleb Houston can't guard anybody past, you know, that's bigger than six foot four. And so I, I think it's just this struggle where you you I, I myself did it, too, but you underappreciated what Isaiah Livers and what Franz Wagner brought to the table last year, because there were times that they like kind of disappeared Franz Wagner. We hoped that he would be a much better scorer at times yeah. and livers obviously with injuries, but they were so versatile and helped on both ends of the floor yep. uh, that, that that's where Michigan just doesn't have those guys in this, in this roster. Yeah. I mean, so many people last year, I mean, people were questioning Franz Wagner for going to the NBA <laughs> and you see what he's doing now. I mean, he's having an absurd season. Um, I mean, yeah, people didn't realize they a lot. I think a lot of people just, you know, um, they focus on how many points people score and they couldn't really see what Franz Wagner did on the defensive end. And it was it was amazing and it helps so much. And now on the defensive end, which has been really surprising, I've just thought that Michigan has just looked undisciplined on both yep. ends of the floor. I mean, there's stupid fouls, there's stupid turnovers. Um, and, and that's really concerning because a big part of that is, is coaching. I mean, they've got to be more disciplined and those, those turnovers and fouls have, have really hurt them in some of these games. Yeah. And I think the COVID thing, you know, it was funny. Uh, we, we asked, uh, Joel Huntingford, uh, uh, he's a Michigan tight end mm-hmm. uh, about this when we were, uh, earlier in the season, we were talking about the 2020 season for football, uh, and how COVID affected their, you know, just mental state. He was like, 
Yeah, we had to sit inside our dorm basically forever. And the only time we could leave was for practice. And we didn't even know if we could go to practice until we got a text like 30 minutes prior, you know? And so you're just like not mentally ready to be out there and play and do all those things when that's going on. And I have to imagine that's probably what the basketball team is going through right now too. You know, so it's just this thing where when you don't know if you can play and and you all of a sudden you're like, you're just in a funk and you're out of a rhythm. I think that definitely affects things. And when Michigan was already struggling and things weren't going well, well, that's going to derail things really, really quickly to go from bad to worse. And, And I'm afraid that's, that's what might happen here. So we'll see if they can get back on it. I mean, the thing is that the schedule is not easy, <laughs> you know. Not easy at all. There's there's no room to there's no uh, no uh, Middle Tennessee State or there's no you know so uh, St. Mary's home of the deaf and blind to uh, right. to play <laughs> right now to get back in a rhythm. You go right into playing a top twenty five team in Illinois. Yeah, and when you're playing in the Big Ten, it, like you said, it just doesn't get any easier. Um, and, and at this point in the season, now that we're almost halfway through January, um, you know, it, it, it's crazy because I feel like this first half of the season just gets so overlooked by the football season. But I mean, here in a month and a half, we're into March. Yeah. So there's no more time for, you know, slowly getting back on track. I mean, it has to happen the very next game. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, after that, it's home against Maryland. Then you're at Indiana home against Northwestern. That's probably Michigan's easiest sketch of their stretch of the season right there. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for Michigan fans, you're definitely hoping that they, they possibly get past Illinois. If not, they at least look competent. Right. And then they can get into uh, a good stretch of the schedule here against, like you said, Maryland, Indiana, and Northwestern, and maybe put a streak of wins together before they then have to go to East Lansing. And we all know what's going to happen there. You know, we all know how much Michigan State wants to beat Michigan. Uh, And and Michigan State's looking a lot better than people thought, too. Max Christie is looking really good as a freshman. Uh, Jaden Nakins is looking good as a freshman as well. They're they're a top-ten team at this point. Uh, And so I I just – I don't want to say, like, oh, my God, this is a lost season already, Because, but I think a lot of people are there. You know, I want to hang with this team. I want to see – what I want to see from this team is who's going to come out and here and give Juwan Howard effort. If it's going to be the freshman, then let's play the freshman. If, if Hunter Dickinson, yes, I know how talented he is, but if he's going to be lazy, not box out, not play defense, then I want to see Musa Diabate in there, right? right? I want to see. And then if, if Devonte Jones can't get it done at some point, we have to play for the future. And we got to see if, if Kobe Bufkin or Frankie Collins or Zeb Jackson, if they can get the job done too, because I, I, I don't want to say, all right, let's, let's screw this season and play for the future. But at some point we need to see if some of these young guys with how talented we've been told they are, we need to see them step up. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned Kobe Bufkin and I remember the, uh, the San Diego state game. Um, he provided an immediate spark on both ends of the floor. Um, and I was kind of thinking like, okay, he could make his way into the starting lineup. Um, be that guy off the bench. Um, but I believe he was one of the ones that missed uh, the Rutgers game dealing with some of those uh, COVID issues. Um, so I think that he, you know, he shows, he shows effort hearing the way that Juwan speaks about him too. Um, you can tell how much he cares. 
And I think he does have the potential to be, to be a difference maker. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing you saw the clip of like of Adrian Nunez playing and he's on the free throw line. It looks like he's just like zoned out. Um, those, those oh, kind of man. things, man, they, they can't happen in, in a big 10 basketball game. I think he was maybe thinking about the next TikTok that he was going to record. Probably, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It, it definitely, you know, that, that type of stuff is just nothing we've seen out of a Juwan Howard exactly. team. Um, you know, I, we all know how good of a, of a coach John Beeline was and how focused and smart and John Beeline's teams never turned the ball over, right? They, they didn't make those mistakes. Juwan Howard's teams have been, you know, obviously it's been a lot of John Beeline's players up to this point, right? Yeah. This is the first time that it's looking like 90% of Juwan Howard's players. And so that's where the concern for me comes in to say, all right, if these are Juwan Howard's guys that are looking zoned out in the middle of a game, yep. I don't like what I'm seeing there. And there's going to be, there's going to have to be some change. Yeah, I totally agree. And whoever, whoever I agree with what you said too, about whoever puts in the most effort, play them. Um, I mean, at this point, seven and six, not projected in the tournament. We've got a month and a half to go in the season. Something's got to change now, and maybe those guys that are going to put in more effort will be the change. Yeah, and the nice thing, too, to wrap this up is that the basketball season is so much different than football, right? right. You yeah. could you can be seven and six and still turn it on in the second half of the year, yeah. possibly win the Big Ten tournament or just even make a run, and then all of a sudden you're in the tournament, and then who knows what happens in March, right? right? So that's what I'd say you ought, you can look forward to for Michigan fans out there is – there's, you know, obviously we'll see what happens this, this Friday and what happens next week, but the chance of a turnaround is still there. The season is not completely lost yet. And so maybe, maybe, just maybe Michigan uses this COVID break to like get things under wraps in the in a mental state and they can push forward going going forward, but we'll see. So hey, um, anything else that you wanted to touch on before we uh before we head out today? Um I guess I would just say you're you're right about um, the basketball being different, and I guess really until if it, if you have a bad season, until you get knocked out of your conference tournament, it, you're you're there's still hope. So so that is good. There's there's going to be hope until March. I like it. I like it. Well, there you go. Um, well, thank you guys for listening to Brewcast. Uh, I you can find myself. On uh, Twitter, I'm at JustinRow92. I'm part of the Blue by 90 podcast, so go listen to that. You can follow us at Blue by 90 on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, you can follow Scotty at ScottyWhite underscore on Twitter too. Uh, and then, of course, check out all the Mason Brew uh, stuff at MasonBrew.com. Follow us uh, at Mason Brew on Twitter, Instagram, and all those things. Um, and then, Scotty, you've got a lot of written content on uh, Mason Brew as well, right? I do. Yeah. I, uh, I'll still be doing some off season football content. Um, you can listen to me here on brewcast every week. Um, and then I'll also be covering the basketball team. Um, so I'll be writing about all those games as well. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'll see you at Chrysler here soon. Um, and you can, uh, uh, find us here uh, on the brewcast each week. Uh, Luke Giardi will, will most likely be back next week here with Scotty. Um, but you, there's obviously a ton of podcast content you can listen to on the Maze and Brew Network. Thank you for listening.